0: Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the central role design plays in our everyday lives and how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses, and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, At Frost Collective, we are dedicated to designing a better world. Our specialist teams work across branding, strategy, place visioning and wayfinding, solving problems with empathy and creativity to design experiences that benefit people, business and the planet. And as a proud certified B Corp, we meet the highest environmental and social standards by balancing profit with our purpose to design a better world. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au Welcome to today's episode of Design Your Life, Tied for Change. Today I'll be catching up with a critically acclaimed filmmaker, who is unfortunately not related, Spencer Frost. We chat about how he has designed his life around his passion for surfing and filmmaking, and his internationally acclaimed film, A Corner of the Earth, and why he spends more time in the water than on land. Hey Spencer, how you doing? Welcome to Design Your Life.
1: Thanks for having me on guys. Very excited for our chat today.
0: Yeah, really cool to catch up with you. And and as I was chatting earlier, I saw you in your van, your incredible black uh, surf, I guess, camera van, whatever it is, (laughs) uh, cruising around Avalon uh, yesterday. It was kind of cool to see you there. You're a Frost also, which I thought was really cool. And when I moved up to Avalon and someone mentioned your name, I was like, oh, I wonder if he's relative. (laughs) What's your background? Where where are you guys, where are you from originally? Well, I guess you were born in Avalon, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm Sydney local, Avalon local. Um, I don't know, maybe somewhere down our family tree, our paths aligned at some point. It's a pretty good last name, Frost. Yeah, not sure where we come from. I think Scotland or one of those places. But yeah, yeah I'm, me personally, I'm Avalon Beach, Sydney, and yeah. I can't seem to leave.
0: No, and, and I can see why. Um, it's incredible lifestyle um, up there. And um, just driving back in the city this morning, because all the schools are back, works back, and uh, unfortunately I'm back, and <laughs> the traffic was horrific. And every, every kind of nudge forward in the, in the traffic jam, I was thinking, why am I going this way? I should just be up in Avalon. Chilling out, surfing, swimming, enjoying life up there, which is quite spectacular. So you're you're incredibly fortunate to to have grown up there. Did you live your whole your whole childhood up there?
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I've been I was born up this way, and I've pretty much yeah, spent my whole my whole life up here. I think the last few years I've been traveling a lot for work, and I've kind of just made it my base camp to come back and forth. I'll go away for a month at sometimes, and then I'll come back to Avalon and reset. Um, it's a pretty incredible place if you've been there. If you haven't been there, it's just a kind of coastal surf town, uh, really good community vibe, lots of creative people. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's kind of, yeah, a bit of a creative hub, but it's also on the beach. It's good to keep healthy, good to stay in the water. And yeah, I um, the amount I've traveled, I've seen a lot of places in the world, but I really couldn't think of anywhere else I'd want to be, want to live.
0: Yeah, I, I I totally agree. We don't want to advertise it too much, do we? Because we don't want <laughs> to be even more busy. Um, but yeah. it, it is it is a, a beautiful spot. And, and what it's famous for, because of its beauty and its location and it being a peninsula, uh, surfing, I guess surfing was kind of introduced to uh, Australia on the northern beaches, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I guess growing up, even through primary school, so once you're six years old, people are starting to surf here um mm. you'll see all the little grommets and little kids down in the water <laughs> like you you look at them you're like how can you even like paddle out you should be playing with action figures and but they're uh, they're ripping and I see some kids these days that are like yeah 10 years old and they're surfing way better than I am so there's a I think it's a like a there's a lot of natural talent in the area and mm. there's like a push a push to surf and to get in the ocean so um all through school we were surfing you kind of You you were kind of like in the cool crew if you surfed. And I think like just everyone surfed basically. Like we would be running out of school, skipping like at lunchtime and going for a quick wave. It's where I went to school at Baron Joey's. Probably I'd almost say it's the the closest school to any beach in Australia. It's like a hundred meters from the beach. So you could jump out at lunch or after school, before school, surf our brains out and then try and focus. (laughs) Try focus in school, but not much focus happening.
0: Was it? Was it? I was going to say. Was it hard knowing that the beach was there? Were you like addicted to surfing at that stage?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I still am, <laughs> and I'm. I'm... <laughs>
0: Let's talk about that because I, I, I would love to. I'm addicted to design. And I'm addicted to other things, uh, legal things, of course. Um, but I was really intrigued by that because I see these guys, you know, gromets, as you say, young kids, all the way through to you know, uh, really old guys, older than me even. Uh, down there uh, and the, the, that ritual of going every day or several times a day and you said the other day you went three times in one day this is nuts It's going what does it feel like that desire and that and that kind of um, that pleasure that it must give you
1: yeah I guess it's kind of like indescribable because some people would think oh. you're just kind of crazy yeah <laughs> some people would think you're crazy they'd be like why would you go surfing three times a day and then for me it's just like it's Just what I do, like this straight away this morning, I was awake, and I just first thing I want to do is like know where the waves are, where to go surfing. If there's no waves, I'll go swimming, or I'll ride a bigger surfboard, or some other sort of surf craft. Or it's just kind of what I've done for the last 20 years, non stop, I'd almost say religiously. Um, and it's just amazing for your health, you keep healthy, you're getting out, you and then for mental clarity, getting in the water, clear the head. Um, yeah, it's it's I love it. And I don't think I'll be stopping anytime soon.
0: And who taught you as a little kid?
1: Uh, my parents would take me to surf like pretty much every day down to the beach. They'd never mm-hmm. like, my, my parents don't surf, but they would definitely, I think they realized how important just going down to the beach is for a family. And it's kind of like the, the cheapest or the, the, the only free, like, how do you explain that? It's like, it's free, but it's like the amount of, satisfaction mm. and benefit and everything it can give you is like, is incredible. So we were down there from as early as I can remember, every holiday we were at the beach, every day before school, after school. Uh, and then I just kind of, me and my brothers would see people surfing and we sl- kind of slowly learned how to surf and then we were just hooked and yeah, mm. I really haven't stopped.
0: Wow. And what does it feel like when you, a day that you don't surf, does it feel bad?
1: I am lucky now that I can really pick my battles and (laughs) as stubborn as I am it takes a bit for I've got to pick a pretty decent job to sacrifice a good day of surf Um, like if I'm (laughs) if I'm working on like a studio in the city and I know the waves are pumping and if I'm not getting paid decent money I've just yeah I'm slowly learning that it's probably more beneficial for me to just be surfing than to be Working on a job that I'm not enjoying or hating, I think that's easy for me to say as well because I wouldn't say I'm comfortable, but I'm not like hustling hard for money, so I can kind of pick and choose a bit more now. But I think good waves for me kind of comes above everything else, and yeah, it it makes me a happier person all around. And I think that's more that's better for everyone.
0: Oh, that's that's good to hear. And and I mean, really, let's let's talk about how you got into because now now you're a brilliant. Uh, filmmaker and we'll talk about your film uh shortly and another one that you're working on um but how did you shift from being kind of uh, you know not probably not interested in education uh because you want to surf the whole time and probably the whole classroom felt the same way <laughs> those poor teachers uh it's tough enough isn't it to, uh, let alone having kids that just don't want to be there how did you shift where did you, what was your progression from uh you know being at school into kind of finding what you do
1: yeah so i was as i said i was surfing every day growing up and then um as kids we would always take turns filming each other and we'd uh, make little surf edits and we we'd think we were ripping and we'd send them to kind of potential sponsors just to try and get mm-hmm. some stickers or a pair of bodies or something like that so that's <laughs> where that's where i started filming with a camera and i i kind of fell in love with it but it was always that balancing act of do i want to be the guy surfing or do i want to be the guy behind the camera uh, I'm still mm. finding it hard to juggle that balancing act. But yeah, mm. that's where it all kind of started. And then slowly, probably year, when I was maybe like 18, I started getting more and more approached to film for surf brands for, for money. Um, I wasn't totally hooked like that was going to be my career, but um, I definitely enjoyed it. And it was a way that I could sit on the beach and get paid and I uh, didn't have to go and work a job that I didn't want to work. But then I slowly went down a different route. I was kind of an apprentice chef at a local pub, um, and I, I did everything. I was a barista, I was a gardener, I was a labourer. I did pizza delivery, all these things. And I think just find like realizing how much fun I can get if I can go swimming in the ocean and get a tiny bit of money that kind of helps me pay for whatever expenses I had when I was eighteen. Um, yeah, that was that was the that's what sparked it i was like how good is this i don't actually have to go do something that i don't want to do i can do something that i kind of do want to do and get paid mm. and then from yeah. there it just progressed and progressed and kind of branched out of the, just the surf market and started doing some, some more kind of commercial work and then yeah now it's just led to where we are today and it seems like there's a lot happening
0: were you delivering pizzas with a surfboard on your roof
1: yeah i would i would have shown up and i had this little honda civic it was i think my dad bought it for me for like 500 bucks it was the biggest shit box of a car and i'd show (laughs) up to people's houses with all these pizzas and be quickly delivering them and then making like ten dollars an hour something and be happy with that and then yeah realize that's that's not what i want to do for a career
0: well you know that's good uh, in fact um We've all done that, I guess. Done done different types of jobs that we've uh, just to make money and see what it's like, and then realize later that it's not what we want to do. It's good to kind of kind of tick those things off, and and eventually find the thing that you love, which is really really important. Um, I went to one of your I went to your screening of your film, A Corner of the Earth, at the Newport Arms. Um, that's a Justin Hem's uh, Maryvale place in uh, Newport, which is. The first time I walked into that place, I was going, oh my God, this is incredible, this place. Is that actually where you worked at the pub there? Yeah. As a chef or where? Before it was renovated.
1: Yeah, so I, I was working in the kitchen. That's where I kind of got my start as like a kitchen hand, chef, apprentice, I'd say. Um, I worked there from when I was 16 to 20. Uh, yep. And when I was about 20, I... I was about to kind of fully lock in. That was going to be my career. Um, I, yeah, was almost going to commit. And then they decided to sell the pub and they told everyone, everyone at once, they said, hey, we're selling the pub. You've all lost your job. You can oh, have God. it back once it's renovated. But there were basically, I think there was 100 staff, maybe more, and they said, everyone go find something else to do. Wow. So that, that moment was like my sweet blessing in disguise that was like, all right, what are you going to do to – pay your bills now, so I, um, yeah, just started, I was like, all right, that's my, that's my call, I got to just start filmmaking full time, and yeah, I haven't looked back since, it was, it was that exact moment, and now I've just done it since then, I just made it work, hustled a bit harder,
0: and yeah. then, yeah. It was kind of ironic that you did your, your, your viewing there.
1: I know, it was funny, and then they were coming to me with, trying to pay me to play my film there,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was, who's that laughing so now, funny. yeah. I, was, I popped by there yesterday for a pizza, and I actually knocked their sign off. You know the car park, you go underneath?
1: Oh, yeah. It
0: says two meters, but there's no way that's two meters. My car knocked uh-huh. it off. The, yeah. Um, but it was really cool to see that film, and it's a spectacular film. Um, and I went with my mate, Mark Collis, and uh, we both loved seeing uh, the film. So how did the film come about? I mean, yeah, it's a big step from you know, surfing, uh, taking good videos of yourselves in, uh, as kids in um, the ocean surfing to actually you know, creating a film and of yeah. that standard as well?
1: Yeah, so my best mate, Guy Willamont, he's an incredibly talented photographer. We've been friends, or well, best friends since we were 13. So, yeah, kind of almost 15 years now. Uh, we work together on most most projects we do. We do, like, I film, he takes photos. Um, all our passion projects were together. And he's, um, yeah, we basically had the idea, we're like, let's go up to Iceland and just see what it's like. Cause we've seen shoot, like all types of travel influencer photos from up there. It just looks like another world. And we were like, all right, we're going to do it. And then we kind of sparked the idea. We're like, why don't we try and make a surf film? Like people have been up there and surfed in winter. It's not the most foreign thing ever. It might seem outrageous to the average person, but for us, we, we surf, we don't mind the cold. Um, We're pretty, I don't know, don't mind wild weather, but I don't think we knew what we were getting ourselves into. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, we just we were kind of asking around. We asked maybe 10 10 surfer friends and everyone was like, nah, no way. That's crazy. Um, Why would you want to do that? And then we finally, one of our mates, Fraser, he just said, yep, let's do it. I'm ready. He was kind of at a transition in his career of being a pro surfer to moving on and kind of studying at university and chasing different dreams in life and um, yeah, we all committed, booked a ticket and then didn't look back. We, we, to be honest, we never set out to make a full feature film. We were like, whatever happens from this project, let's just see how we go. We took a punt, threw ourselves in the deep end and um, even like funnily enough, even when we were finished, finished the trip, we were up there for six weeks. I was kind of in my mind, I was like, I was like, I maybe have got like a pretty cool like 20 minute YouTube video. Like, I don't think I've got a feature Ooh. film. Like I really didn't think. And then guy was the same. He's like, Oh, I definitely don't have a, a book. Cause he, he made a coffee table book and sold out every single copy he got. Um, so yeah, we, our expectations were low and we didn't think we like totally pulled off the project. And then we got home and I was kind of sitting down editing and I was like, Oh, there's something in this, something in this. And then just progressively, I think I edited for 10 months and then at the end we just had our film. And then still when it was done, I was like, yeah, people will come watch it in Avalon and maybe a few people will enjoy it. But yeah, it blew all of our expectations times 100 and it still continues to kind of tour around the world and blow expectations.
0: Yeah, because it won Surf Video of the Year, this year Australian Surfing uh, surfing Awards, or is it Surf Film Awards, whatever it is, Film Festival. Um, and 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 n- numerous uh, film festivals as well which is really cool so you just guys just said well, let's go, let's go there take our cameras and just see what happens there's no script you just you just let it wing it winged it basically
1: yeah more or less we just yeah well, you're lucky it, that uh, worked out <laughs> yeah could have gone it could have gone either way for, for sure but no I think it worked out really well and yeah one all it got all those accolades and got international distribution and we had all this amazing stuff has come from that. I've, I've actually gotten an approach for, for some pretty huge jobs like Japan Airlines and a bunch of that purely – I'm almost certain purely because we made that film. There's no way they would have contacted me otherwise. So, um,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. And I guess it's just like a testament to just, yeah, having a go and, yeah, seeing what you can make of it. And it's just the universe kind of giving us a few little thanks for, yeah,
0: yeah. giving it a punt. Would that – um and it's, it is really cool because people oft- often say you need to be really prepared you need to write a script you need to do all this kind of stuff get the finance and backing up front you did it because you wanted you guys loved to do it you, it was a passionate project wasn't it, it was a passion determination uh and the very very kind of i guess you guys are pretty relaxed as professional as you are you're also very relaxed that's kind of how your role i guess
1: yeah i guess yeah um we didn't plan anything really and i guess it's like ignorance (laughs) is ignorance is bliss because we could have gotten some serious trouble if you've seen the movie it's um yeah it's not it's not safe up there especially in the middle of winter Mm. and there's um yeah lots of stuff can go wrong but yeah i'd I'd self-funded the whole thing i didn't approach anyone for money i just kind of believed in what we were doing and um i also didn't want the kind of expectation for us to pull it off because I had no idea if we were going to pull it off, and yeah, that's so kind of that's how it worked and pulled it off.
0: Does that mean does that does that make you nervous about doing the next one? Because are you going to go? Oh, does that kind of you set a standard and a bar? Are you going to wing it again next time? or Are you going to be more planning in case it goes wrong?
1: Uh, you got more at
0: stake now, probably.
1: Yeah, I think we're 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 the planning going into this next one is. Probably already 50 times what we did for our other one, and we haven't even left Avalon yet. um yeah. So I think we're going to touch on it a bit later, but we've got a pretty crazy project in the works, and there's some potentially big investors and a few different um yeah people want their hands on it already, which is cool, but it also adds to the pressure of us to actually pull it off. We can't just wing it and then hope ask for money later. We kind of got to if we're getting people to fund this project, it's got to. We've got to pull it off. Yeah. But we've got some amazing people helping us pull it together, and I'm pretty confident that it's going to be bigger and better than the last one for sure.
0: Let's go back to Corner of the Earth, because I remember watching that just going, there was a couple of scenes that you're going, oh, my God, these, you, you, li- you literally risked your life at some, at some stage, at several stages during the film. Um, there's one scene when you went out, it looked like you went out in the middle of the night to go surfing, and the car broke down. What happened there? I mean, that was like, you, you were filming the whole thing still um which i was thinking is this set up or is this real and, and you assured me that it was a real situation but you're in the middle of nowhere what was it minus 40 outside or something
1: yeah it was cold and i think it, that night was minus minus 20 we wow. we actually we had oh, an app on it <laughs> we had an app on our <laughs> phone that would tell us when the northern lights were going to come out so to see the northern lights that they're like best you have to drive as far out into the darkness, as far away from any like um, lights or city lights or anything, not that there was any cities nearby, and just um, to see this this light show that if anyone hasn't seen it, it's one of the most amazing natural phenomenons in the world. You can't mm. really describe it, but you'll see it one day and you'll be like, oh, that's why everyone's hype about it. so good.
0: Mm. So, yeah, we
1: drove. We left our cabin. We drove out into the darkness. We um, couldn't find anywhere to park our car because there was snow everywhere, so we just... Stopped on the main road, put on our indicators, ran off into this snowfield, set up our cameras, watched the northern lights. It was all going crazy. Guy ran back to the car to change his battery, and he was—he thought, oh, all right, let's just turn off the car because the indicator's are on. Turned it off, tried to click the ignition. Battery was dead. It's minus 20. He left the lights on. Batteries are going to die quick. Yeah, that whole event just kind of played out. He was like, the battery's dead. We thought he was joking. I kind of laughed, and then I just clicked <laughs> in my head. In my head, that we are like so far from any help, so far from yeah, danger. And as we were driving from our cabin to the there, we had the radio on and they said there's a severe weather warning for Iceland, do not be out tonight. That's we couldn't even make this up how funny this situation was. Long story short, the car started after about two hours. I fly back to Australia. Guy, Guy says, Hey, I've got some clips on my, I pretty much edit the movie. And guy says to me, hey, I've got some leftover clips from my camera that I didn't give to you. Like, would you want them? And I was like, what clips? Like, what did, what would have me missed? And he's like, oh, I filmed that whole conversation with the insurance company that was coming to save us that
0: night. <laughs> yes, that was hilarious.
1: And I was like, that's like the best bit of the whole film. <laughs> so I got these, I got these clips off guy and then that was like the final piece to like really glue it all together. And still, when I've shown any audience or any people, that's the moment where people are like, Holy shit, that was like pretty <laughs> wild, and it's like a hundred percent true. That's not fudge. That was a that was a truly scary real life moment in our lives.
0: Well, yeah, I mean that if that footage was captured, you might not have been allowed. Uh, you might not have been around to uh, to edit it after that. It was such a precarious <laughs> situation, wasn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so wh- where has it been filmed? I mean, where so where has it been screened?
1: We screened it in first screening was in London on October. 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and I flew over for that. It was amazing. We ended up winning an award. I had about 20 friends in London that all came and watched it. And yeah, it was the f- after spending more or less a whole year working on a project. And then the first time I was screened to win an award, it was like this just, it was, yeah, one of the best moments ever. And I, I was actually telling someone the other day, this story, I, I had a big kind of big job come in in Sydney. And it was the same dates as that London screening. And it was like quite a bit of money. Like I, I would never usually say no to this. And the producer called me and said, hey, mate, we got this job. It's perfect for you. We need you to do it in Sydney. And I was like, sorry, i got to go watch my film play in London. And he mm. was like, he couldn't believe that I was saying no to this job and this much money just to go watch the film. And I, I just, I remember at the time it was such a hard decision because I was like, oh, it's all this cash and it's going to free up time. I was like, I can watch it, and and I didn't know I was going to win an award, but I can just go and watch it, and I just committed, I was like, you know what, fuck the money, I was like, let's just, <laughs> sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, but that's basically my thoughts, I just said, who cares, like, there's going to be more jobs, there's going to be more cash, That that's like a truly once in a lifetime opportunity, and then now looking back, like, almost two years ago, on that moment, that was the best ever, the first time I showed it, and Full, full sold-out audience, big cinema in yeah. London, all my friends from all over. I'll, um, yeah, you couldn't put a price on on that. And even moments like that are a big like learning curve for me to be like, hey, jobs are going to come, money's going to come. That stuff's kind of what's most important. And you've got to kind of just take it all in when those opportunities come up.
0: Did that producer come back again later or not?
1: Uh, once or twice. I think they realized how important that moment was for me. Yeah, we're still yeah. friends.
0: Oh, Did that's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's really cool to because a lot of people are, are are naturally much more cautious. You know, very kind of scared of burning bridges or scared of making the wrong move. You sound like you're very intuitive and instinctive and go with what you 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 feel. Have you always been that way?
1: Um, I think it's constantly learning, and I've definitely made some pretty bad mistakes trying to uh, <laughs> listen to intuition and listen to your gut, but. I think I'm at the moment, I don't need heaps of money. I can live like pretty cheaply, and I can. And I've got a lot of work coming in. I'm not, I don't have to like just kind of scratch at everything. So I can be a little bit more, I don't want to say ruthless, but I can pick and choose. And I don't have to, I try not to do things that I don't want to do at the moment if I don't have to. Um, mm-hmm. It also takes away from my surfing time, and I'm nice and selfish with that time. But yeah, I think I've, I've just kind of. I'm slowly learning that you don't have to do everything, and you can. You do have a choice on like everything in life. You can, you can go on that trip, and you can say no to two months of work, and you can have a have a go. And I think people appreciate that more than kind of just doing your like nine to five anyway. So, why not? <laughs>
0: yeah. Do, do you just have you just worked out what's the kind of the bare minimum you need to earn? Is that how you done it?
1: Um. Not. I don't really pay too much attention to any of that, but I just know that I don't live like a lavish fancy life i've got a nice little apartment and yeah i just i can i can live super cheap if i want to it's good if a big job comes in and i can make heaps of cash but i just um yeah i don't to be honest i could work every single day if i wanted to and i don't do that i probably work two three days a week and just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sp- tr- trying to spend my time more wisely because i think time's just so valuable and yeah there'll be plenty of time to work down the track if i want to
0: you know what's so cool that you're living that way now? Because so many people live their life focusing on the money, focusing on their jobs, and then get to their deathbed and they go, oh, I wish I'd spent time amongst nature or quality time with family or downtime and all that. It's great that you're living your life that the way you're doing it right now. It's so cool, actually. Awesome. Is that the way your, par- your parents live that way?
1: Uh, f- not Totally. <laughs> Mum's a professor at university, so she's incredibly smart, talented, and has worked really hard her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, dad is a ex musician or a musician, so he's he's kind of got a similar vibe to me. He kind of he yeah worked worked hard, but also was doing what he lo- like what he loved, um, playing shows and writing music. And I think I've taken a lot of inspiration from him, and I've also he's going to kind of be in a constant source of advice and if i've ever got any life life or business or anything i'll just chat to dad and he's got a good kind of honest outlook on everything um and i Mm -hmm. yeah definitely really appreciate appreciate his opinion on a lot of things
0: yeah that's cool and and let's talk about your new film that's coming up that you guys are planning or or can you can you talk about any detail
1: uh i'll I'll give you a bit (laughs) so we're (laughs) since since we got home we've started to we were just like, all right, that was amazing. Let's do another one. Um, And we've got so much to kind of go off and we've got such a good case study from our last one. It's won all the awards and it had all the accolades. So we're just like, we've um, the last two years, me and Guy have been planning another adventure. It was originally going to be to a few different locations. um, But the last four months in particular, we've set on Siberia in Eastern Russia. And we are going to pretty much throw everything at that. We've The last four months, we've just been talking to like the embassy. We've been talking to travel agents. We've been talking to guides. We've been trying to book helicopters. We've been talking to the only surfer on the coastline. We've been looking at maps. We've been messaging people on Instagram. I think we've got a Russian friend who's translated probably 100 messages for us that we've been sending around. Um, wow. It's It's been so exciting just to kind of start planning another project and um we've been just recently we've had a few big meetings with distribution and funding and brand partners and it's uh we've we've finished our director's treatment and it seems everyone we've shown the treatment to has said this is incredible we want to be a part of it i haven't had a single person say they don't want to be a part of it yet so um i think people have a lot of faith in us to pull it off from our last one Mm -hmm. um so no pressure, but yeah, we're, um, it's so far, it's looking, it looks like the craziest place on earth, the more we look into it and we've got some amazing people helping us make it happen.
0: So when, when how do you prepare for that in terms of, you know, the, the cold, I mean, you're living in an incredibly warm place and also surfing, you, you I guess you wear a wetsuit in the winter here, but it's nowhere near as cold as it is in Iceland or Siberia. What, what, what different kind of equipment do you use?
1: I think I've said it before, but w- when we went to Iceland, we, we all had this idea that we're going to be like running through the snow in our hoods and our wetsuits and jumping out in the water and all laughing and smiling. And then you get there and it's just like, holy shit, like takes your breath away. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's another world. You, you, you paint this picture of this fantasy world and it's actually like painful and kind of just like <laughs> kind of gnarly. but. I don't know. We wouldn't do it if we didn't love it. It was, it was some of the best surf I've ever had in my life, and it was only one, really? two-foot waves just because it's just exciting and there's snow, mountains, and um, yeah. it's just a, another world. So I guess you, you can't really prepare for anything. You just you just kind of got to trust in your equipment. We've got some new custom wetsuits being made for yeah. us, which is going to be, yeah. I think, seven mil of rubber, which is kind of twice as thick, thick as our winter wetsuits. Um and then hoods, booties, gloves, all that you probably have an hour. Um and then apart from that, we we all are pretty big advocates for ice baths and saunas and um I try yeah. get try getting an ice bath almost daily, definitely a few times a week. Um so you can do some breathing and then you get you pretty much get into a bath full of ice and breathe and it's uh the health benefits kind of uh forever but they are uh, yeah it kind of sucks no one no one enjoys it until they're done
0: <laughs> i've got a couple of friends that do that every week in avalon there's a place they get it's a, it's a freezer chest isn't it yeah yeah so Which we is full we, of ice
1: we rent a garage on avalon headland and we um we have a freezer chest and a sauna so you go sauna ice bath sauna ice bath you just do hot cold hot cold yeah, yeah
0: and what are what are the health benefits for doing that
1: Oh, I'd love to be able to tell you, but <laughs> I, know it's, I know it's for blood circulation, and I know if I'm having a a bad bad day, or if I'm got a bit going on, if I go and get in an ice bath for three minutes, you're not going to be thinking about anything else but how cold it is. <laughs> it'll um it'll take your mind off anything, and it'll just make your your mind totally clear. Um, yeah, I've I've fallen in love with it. I I like to say that I'm got pretty good at it, but you never really get too good at it you, you, you never get comfortable you can get a little bit better at it but it still sucks every time but it's amazing
0: yeah and and um what's the temperature in the water in iceland how cold was it uh
1: it was two degrees so Jesus. pretty cold
0: so in in avalon what's it normally like 19 18 or something
1: yeah 19 gets up to like 20 yeah probably 18 average It was pretty different yeah, even record. even like nine degrees is really cold, and then once you get down to two, it's like another another world. You can't. There's no preparing for that. Wow,
0: that's 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 cool. You do that because most Australians are love the warm climate and um, <laughs> don't want to leave it. Just talk about. Uh, you mentioned earlier about there's a real creative scene scene in Avalon. Um, uh, I was amazed by that when when I moved up there. Just see how many incredible people are up there. Like artists, photographers, filmmakers, uh, set designers, advertising people, a whole array of people. Uh, and it seems to be more people, more creative people in uh, per square meter up there than um, other places I've been to. Why do you think that is?
1: I actually don't know, but you're know, right in saying, I feel like just condensed into Avalon, there's so many creative people and it's actually a really like helpful, caring community. There's not too much ego. Yeah. I guess you can't be like, you can't be too cool for school because there's <laughs> there's just no room for that. Definitely not in my friend group. You, I wouldn't yeah, I you gotta be humble and you gotta be nice to everyone. And it's the same with like some of the biggest DOPs and directors in Sydney. They're um they're in Avalon and yeah, they're they're all so helpful with me. There's no no um yeah, no ego. They're happy to answer questions or they're always happy to chat. And same with um mm. I've actually found recently there's a lot of younger kind of creative crew coming up younger than me mm-hmm. that are kind of asking me for advice. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I've got the answers. Like I still feel like I'm trying to figure it out, but they're, um, yeah, they're kind of asking me how I, how I do, did it and how I kind of um, got to where I am and how I get clients and different kind of camera tech questions. And I'm so happy to help people if they approach me for some advice. So yeah, cause I know people above me have helped me for years. So it's uh, what goes around, comes around.
0: Yeah, there's always an incredible array of people at the coffee van on the, the South Headland. Um, this seems to be kind of a place where everybody seems to meet for coffee every morning. So nice just to watch the waves and whales and dolphins, people surfing, et cetera. Really, really cool. Do you talk about like mentoring other people? Who, who did you have in your life to mentor you?
1: Um, I think I've had a few different mentors. I've definitely in the film and production world, I've had some amazing people. I think uh, when I was just kind of starting out, my friend Mitch Green, he's maybe four or five years older than me. I basically would just follow in his footsteps and do everything that, every bit of advice that he'd tell me, he'd lend me camera gear. We eventually moved on to actually shooting some projects together. Um, I think we did three or two or three motorbike ads. And um, yeah, he, he was amazing. And then, I guess like life advice. I had some really good kind of just older mentors. I'm one of those people that has friends that are 18 and friends that are 50. I'm not like one mm. of those people that sticks with their age group and doesn't really, cause I know some people do that. Like I've got, some of my best friends are in their 50s. Some of my best friends are late teenagers basically. Like I've definitely got a lot of older friends and a lot of mentors. Um, sometimes it's advice that I don't want to hear but it's probably for the better. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to listen to anyone and if anyone's got anything to say, I, I'll listen and see if I want to take it on or not. But yeah, definitely life and health and then there's business and filming and all sorts. Yeah. Lots of mm. good people in my life.
0: You're in the ocean every day, many, t- <laughs> multiple times during the day and that's an integral part of your health and your life. Um, let's just talk about the kind of the health benefits of that, because obviously it's been proven that that is. Uh, really, really good for you. Um, I mean, being amongst nature, I think people have rediscovered since COVID. A lot of people who haven't been, you know, been in cities and been busy all their whole lives, and kind of COVID slowed a lot of people down and made people kind of forced you to kind of slow down and actually be amongst nature um, and uh, recenter yourself. The the centering yourself, and what what does it, what does it give you when you go in the ocean? Like, what does the is it the salt water? Is it the adrenaline? Is it the, you know? The sun. What is it that makes you feel so good?
1: A bit of everything, I think. I think, um, yeah, getting in the ocean to start the day is probably one of the best things you could do to start the day. It's yeah, being immersed in nature. It's cold most of the time, which is really good for waking up. It's um, yeah, good <laughs> for your fitness. Like if I'm surfing, I'm paddling, I'm moving the body. Get the body moving early is always good. Um, if I'm not surfing, I'll go for a swim at least. Like, I pretty much. Can't remember a day where I haven't gotten the ocean in the last. If I, unless I'm working away from the ocean, that's the only kind of substitute. Even if I have to mm. leave Avalon at six in the morning, I'll go for a swim at five thirty most mornings and just clear the head, move the body. Um, and yeah, it's uh it's incredible for everything. It's one of think surfing as like a hobby. It's like one of the best addictions ever because you're actually like working on your health, you're working on your mental health, um, and mm. it's addictive. So yeah. It's amazing
0: yeah it's amazing and and obviously we want to protect the ocean because the oceans an incredible part of our whole ecosystem um, not just for surfing but for many things as well um, what do, what do you what do you feel about that in terms of kind of and what what might you be doing uh, to kind of help the maintain that the oceans and, and and keep them in a good state
1: yeah I think like a lot of my peers and People I've listened to have said something similar, but it's kind of like the more time you spend in a place, the more you feel like a responsibility to protect it. And the mm-hmm. the ocean for me is is that like I'm there every single day. It's my like biggest source of fun. It's my my like office half the time. I work there. I play there. I explore there. Um, I get healthy there. It's like it's everything in my life, more or less. Um, so when I see Oh, I try yeah, I try and help a lot, but especially right now where there's this Pep Eleven project where they're trying to build oil and gas drilling off our coastline and I just I I can't even comprehend it. And I think my my kind of take on it is a little bit more biased because I'm there every single day and I totally get if someone lived in Western Sydney, like they don't really care. I'm sure mm. they care, but they wouldn't care as much as me as I'm going in the ocean three times a day. Um mm. So it's a, it's pretty um, yeah, it's pretty devastating and outrageous and I can't even begin to think what, where, what, where's the reasoning for trying to do these things? Like just the other day I was in the ocean out our coastline and I saw a whale, I saw a pot of dolphins and I saw a like pot of seals within like half an hour. And then how can they justify drilling for oil a few kilometers away where there's just this sanctuary? and where the whale migrations are coming through, there's all this sea life, there's this amazing pristine beaches where millions of people come and enjoy their time. And imagine yeah. imagine a world where there's, it's covered in oil or it's just polluted and God forbid something happened and then we just can't use the ocean. It's, I, oh. it, it really fires me up. And sorry if I'm getting angry and being negative, but I, I, no, I literally cool. cannot comprehend the greed and the selfishness of these projects. So um I've got a pretty exciting one coming up that's fin- to finish the year with my friends at Monster Children where um we do a lot of work together and they kind of approach me to they approach me because they think I'm I care enough to help them out with this project which I do and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm yeah and I'm definitely I feel like I've, I've I've um earned the right to work on a piece to protect our coastline and our environment so that's what we're going to be doing I've don't know how much I can talk about it, but we're going to have some some of the most kind of influential kind of characters and people uh, in relation to our coastline to help protect it and basically to tell the government to go fuck themselves.
0: <laughs> yeah, good. Well, I mean, do you think it's likely that they're, they're going to get away with doing this, the, you know, creating those oil rigs?
1: You know what's so crazy? I had a good chat with um, Damien Cole and Sean Doherty. They're kind of the... They're at the forefront of um, of uh, doing this stuff. Damo was a kind of ex-politician um, and Sean O is just a big figure in the surfing world, but he's also like the environmental advocate for surfing and that stuff. And they were saying the other day, like, probably going to go ahead. Like if we don't put our foot down and stop mm-hmm. it, they're actually going to go for it. And it's the same as like the, I think it's Blue, Ro- Blue Water Horizon, which, exploded in the Gulf of Mexico and destroyed everything. It's going to be more or less the same concept as accidents can happen. They're very rare, but if if an accident happens, then there goes our coastline for probably however many years and all the sea life's gone.
0: So people listening in now, what can they do? What, where, where can they go to – is there a petition that we can sign on to or something?
1: Yeah, I had this same chat with the, the guys, and I, I'm, I'm trying to come at it as like a younger – I don't know, mindset of like petitions are cool, but people see a petition and they're like, yeah, sign the petition, but mm. that's, they don't really care. And then they kind of can see a, a video and they're like, yeah, that's really powerful. But I, and I'm still trying to figure out what the best way to go about this. Cause I know it's so hard to as selfish as it is to get people to care about anything, but I guess it's as simple as go and go for a surf and then have a real think about like, imagine not being able to go in the water. Or, like, go for a swim and be, like, imagine being covered in oil if you were go surfing, which is – it sounds radical, but that's what the reality could be if they did this stuff. So I think, like, definitely, like, anyone that enjoys the beach, they should care, and um, I'm still trying to figure out a way to really, yeah, make everyone care. Um, I know this in, this environmental kind of issues and being kind of activist is – Kind of sounds like a broken record sometimes because there's always an issue, but um, yeah, I think the people that spend all their life in the ocean, yeah, it's definitely worth fighting for and yeah. worth protecting.
0: Absolutely. Um, we did a, a long time ago, we did a, a on um, Tamarama Beach, we did this huge, we made the word wow in the sand with our bare feet, the whole team, the staff. We got a helicopter to shoot it, uh, and it was enormous. I don't know how many types, what point size it was. Um, but it was, like uh, maybe we just do some huge no's, you know, N O, uh, on all the beaches in, in the Northern beaches and film it and just make a big kind of public statement or something or get something on the news because it's like, someone told me about this a few months ago and I just thought it was a joke. I thought someone was just, it was just like, cause I saw a, a visual of it too. There's several oil rigs in the line yeah. down up the coast, enormous, like a skyscraper looking thing. Yeah, I think that we need to we need to gain awareness to it.
1: The craziest thing is they had kind of their parliament meeting. I don't know the total details, but in short, as far as I know, all the local members of our community, like McKellar and all those ones, had the opportunity last week to say, we oppose to this, this is crazy, we don't want to do it, and put it to bed. And they all made press statements in leading up saying, we oppose this, we don't want to do it, just to basically gain the votes. And only one of all the members said, this is about it. Everyone else said, we're not putting this to bed, which is just disgusting. They basically lied to everyone just to get people on their team. They could have cancelled it forever and they've said, no, we're not going to put it to bed. But let's let's move ahead and it can go ahead. Not saying the project's Ooh. going ahead, but it's going to keep moving forward. And that took everyone by surprise because no one expected anything like that to happen.
0: Wow. Does that mean yeah. they're getting paid off?
1: Who knows? The amount of money those oil companies have, it's just it's hard to... Hard to do anything. They've just got too much money. They can just buy their way through every legal and ethical. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Wow, Jesus. But you can tell oh. I'm pas- passionate about it.
0: Yeah, no, as, as you should be. And I also wondered if, if everybody in, in the North beaches says get an O at the end of the name. You said, um, you spent so.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. are you sure Spenso? <laughs>
0: yeah, what what is that?
1: Oh, I think it's just an Aussie nickname. Just a are, you
0: fro- <laughs> are you Frosty?
1: No. Oh, I've got Frosty. I've got a lot, a lot of nicknames. I feel like I get a new one, new one every week.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Oh, just gonna, I was just going to ask you, what do you get up to when you're not making films uh, or surfing? I mean, I know you said you swim and all the other thing. Anything else you do?
1: Uh, surfing and making films takes a lot of my life, I'd say, like majority of it. But Mm -hmm. at the moment, lately, I've just been trying to keep super healthy. I've actually been kind of, it took me a while, but I've become semi-addicted to health and fitness for the first time in my life, more or less. Like, I've been training three, four times a week. I've been running. I've been swimming. Uh, Me and Guy, my best mate, both did 100 days no drinking. So, that's been a bit of a challenge, but also fun. Um, I guess my diet's pretty pretty good. I don't really eat takeaway. I cook a lot of my own food and uh it's all good healthy stuff um we were training for a project we were filming down the snow because we'd have to be at Mm our like peak physical fitness to pull it off uh COVID Mm -hmm. canceled that because we couldn't get down there so we basically just made a little silent pact like let's just stay healthy for Russia and we want to be as healthy as we can unless we've got to climb some mountains or run away for some bears or do something (laughs) crazy so going to be a big 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 summer of training and i'm trying not to get stuck back into the party party vibe because that can happen up here on the beaches you can there's pretty much something you can do every night um whether you you like it or not so definitely not not going to not socialize but i'm definitely going to cut back on the on the going out and try and keep healthy for the trip coming up
0: yeah so just just on that you you said you've stopped drinking for 100 days How, how did that feel
1: Um, it's amazing. I, I don't really drink heaps in like, I would never have like a weekday drink. I'm definitely not one to say no to a party. Um, guy
0: doesn't,
1: (laughs) guy doesn't really drink either. So it's not, it wasn't too hard and we also did it through the lockdown. So there was nowhere we could go out and have a drink anyway. So we were just like, Hey, let's just not drink, stay healthy. Uh, lost 10 kilos, which is pretty amazing. And um, yeah, you you feel pretty good when you don't drink. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah.
0: And what about what about cooking? What what do you cook?
1: Um, I just kind of took all my took all my um, knowledge from working in the kitchen for so long, and um, yeah, I've kind of fallen in love with cooking again. I keep it pretty simple, but I can make pretty simple stuff taste good. Uh, love my meat. Love just some veggies, salad. Uh, do some chicken. Yeah, I um, it's another kind of source of creativity for me. It's cooking. I I cook most meals for myself, and I love cooking for other people. And uh, yeah, save some money on buying takeaway.
0: Oh yeah, where can people see your your film? I mean, at, at the corner of the earth, is it like on on a, on a channel at the moment, or how ha- how you get hold of it?
1: So the film got a distribution deal, so we couldn't uh put it online for free anywhere, but um. Mm-hmm. Garage Madman Films got the rights, and then they put it on Garage. If you sign up for Garage, you can get a free one-month trial and watch it for free. That's the only way I know you can watch it for free. iTunes, if you want to pay me a little bit of money, Vimeo, (laughs) Amazon, Fetch, Vivo, Prime, Apple TV. It's kind of on everywhere if you search for it.
0: Wow. um, That's so cool.
1: Yeah, they really shopped it around and got it on everything for us, which is yeah, very thankful for that. And they're, um, they've um they actually just, as of Friday, committed to helping fund a little bit of our next film. So we are very appreciative of them. And, yeah, oh, they, nice. they back us enough to throw some money at it before we go, which is even cooler.
0: I mean, you're, you're living an incredible life, I have to say. Do you, you think you've designed your life?
1: Um, I still feel like I'm figuring it out. Uh, I'm trying. Uh, it's forever a balancing act, and um, I... I try and free up as much time as I can, but then I'm also a, a bit of a sucker if a massive job comes in and I've got to take it, or if I see those dollar figures and freak out and take it. Um, as I said before, I'm trying to weigh up what's worth it and what's not worth it, but you got to pay your bills, and uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's hard. I'm trying to design the life that I want, and I think if I, five years ago, if I was like, you're going to be here in five years, I'd be like, holy crap, that's amazing. I never would have thought how much, <laughs> how much has been done in the last five years. And I'm, I'm so thankful and I'm, I know I'm so fortunate and I can kind of do what I want to do in my life to some extent and get heaps of time in the ocean. Uh, but, yeah, I'm still figuring it out. I think everyone is. No matter what stage you get to, you, you always want something else or you're pushing for something else. It's hard to sit down and be like, oh, I'm pretty happy right here. But it's, um, yeah, learning always
0: but it's, it's so cool how, how relaxed you are about things but how how like professional and you're like an athlete preparing for the next big you know event you know this this next film you're making you can see you're putting so much focus on that and making sure you're in top condition to do that that is so cool
1: yeah I never had thought about that but I guess from an outside perspective looking in we probably look like like athletes, like we're running the beach in the morning and we're doing ice baths and we're eating healthy and we're doing breathing and swimming. And yeah, it's just kind of how it's just like, honestly how I live nowadays. And then that changes if I'm traveling and going, uh, going all over with work, it's kind of hard to stick on such a strict program. Uh, that's a constant balancing act of not eating burgers mm. and drinking beers and going away for a month. Yeah. And, um, so I'm try. I'm, still learning how to do that. I'm getting a lot better, but yeah, we, um, yeah, I think that's just how me and my friends live at home. we stay healthy and still like, we're not, we still go out and party and we still have takeaway and we're not, we're not so strict on all this stuff, but I think it's just, yeah, it's how, what I enjoy doing. And, um, I feel like I get the most benefit out of living a life like that.
0: What do you, what would you say to young people starting out in terms of like thinking about their lives and how to, you know, putting putting something like putting a the thing that they love in front of everything else, um, as opposed to putting it at the back burner.
1: Yeah, I get asked a lot about like what would you say to younger people and what do you, like any, if people ask me they're a bit lost in life and what should they do. I know I'm so fortunate because I found my kind of dream career and what I love to do early, and I know people that are in like their forties that still haven't found that and they're still searching for their their thing and their purpose. Um, and I know it, it's so hard to say, just chase, chase what you want to do, chase what you love. Cause it's hard to like, there's money and there's time. And I guess like, if you really think about it and you break it down, if you love something, there is a job that you can align with, with that love and passion, whether it's like not totally directly, there's some, some career that you can align with what you love. So if you really love it, you can chase that career and you could, you could go to university and you could get qualifications and go down that path. Um, and I truly do think if you're doing something you love as kind of cheesy as it is, your life's going to be so much happier and you're yeah, going to have so much more purpose rather than just making money. And I know people that make heaps of money and they're not happy with their life. And I know people that make mm. almost nothing and they're the happiest people I know. So mm. um, money helps for sure. And it helps free up time, which is, I think is the most the most valuable thing, but um, yeah. If you're doing something you hate, what's the point of doing it? You don't have that long here. Got to do something no. you love.
0: No, exactly. I mean, what, what you said—you didn't—you didn't look that far ahead uh, previously, but now you're at you, where you are now. What do, What do you think the next five years, ten years looks like for you? Have you got any kind of ambitions beyond beyond Siberia?
1: Holy crap! It's Good. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I can't even imagine what. I guess. It's just like I don't know <laughs> five ten years from now who knows where I'll be like I kind of um I had all the I remember probably about five years ago I had all these goals and I wrote them all down and now kind of thinking back it's all all of them were like more or less materialistic things it was like buy a car buy an apartment get some camera gear do all this stuff and it's kind of I've more or less ticked all those boxes and I'm still not feeling like Satisfaction, like I'm happy with order and it looks good, and it's good doing all that stuff. But it's, I think, like doing these projects and doing something you love and you're passionate about. That kind of takes the cake. That's more important than all this this stuff that you buy and you're looking for. And, um, yeah, like five years from now, ten years from now, who knows? We'll hopefully done our Siberia projects. We'll um, kind of stay healthy. Have good relationships with everyone, good friendships. That's uh, what I'm working on now as well. It's a juggling act of business and social life and um, health. It's a constant yeah. juggling act. Um, but yeah, ten years. Let's go back on the podcast in ten years and
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: see how far or how not far we've come. But yeah, yeah, I
0: yeah, exactly. Definitely
1: finish the project, and then we've got some even bigger plans for future future projects. So. Well, uh, okay. yeah, it's not going to stop.
0: Well, Spencer, it's been so good catching up with you today. Uh, it's been so it, you're so inspiring. I'm so excited that uh, bump into you occasionally up in Avalon and to see you know what comes with this next film that you're doing. Uh, keep living the dream. Keep doing great things, and um, uh, we'll catch up soon. And, and also, uh, we'll point people towards uh, what they can do, um, regarding this oil rig mining going forward as well on the, on, the, on the social that we're going to put out
1: awesome thanks so much for having me guys It's a great chat
0: okay thanks Spence thanks for listening in to today's episode of Design Your Life Tied for Change with exceptionally talented filmmaker Spencer Frost tune to the next episode where I'll be catching up with a Swedish serial entrepreneur and founder of the fantastic electric boat company Ekshore Conrad Bergström thanks for listening to this episode of design your life if you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life head to the website at designyourlife.com.au if you found this episode inspiring please don't forget to review and subscribe if you have any ideas or like to get in touch we would love to hear from you send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au